started a few weeks ago, we started a series called Tensions. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but life is full of tensions. And what a tension typically is, is there's two things that seem good and that even are good at the exact same time. And how do you work that through? So there's some kind of tensions that are just because we're not doing well and uh, we're making poor choices and then life gets awkward. That's one way to have a tension. The kinds that we're looking at in this series is two positive things that are both true at the same time and how do we live in the tension between those two things. Last week we looked at the idea that God is a God who blesses us and also a God who brings suffering. And how do we work that out in our life? What we're going to be looking at this week is obedience and authenticity. Obedience and authenticity. Looking first at obedience, the Bible calls us to extreme obedience. It says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Now, for some people, obedience is kind of like a long-distance hope. And that someday, when I grow up and I become a really, really strong Christian, I'm going to obey him. And it's this idea that um, I, I, can't, I have to be realistic, can't do it all now, and so I'm just, it's going to be something that I hope one day will be true about me. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but the way that the Bible describes obedience it's something that we start doing today. It's shocking when you think of Jesus being our example. This is what he says. So this is the living God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all that. He says in John 5, 19, the Son does only what he sees the Father doing. If you were to summarize the life of Christ, it could be summarized as a life of obedience. He sees what his heavenly father is doing, and he says, that's what I'm doing. Now, I don't know if your life is complicated at times, but this is the magic recipe for a simplified life. I'm just doing what Jesus says. I'm not that clever, not that smart. I have struggles, but at the end of the day, I do what Jesus says. If your life ever gets complicated, the best thing that you can do is read your Bible and do what it says. Just start there. And I think you'll be surprised how simplified it will get and really awkward. So, the Bible calls us to extreme obedience. Not, let's wait a while and see how it goes, but it's right now and it's in every area of your life. Mentioned over a hundred times in Scripture. But... The Bible is also clear about something called hypocrisy, where people behave in one way or, or think one thing and do another, or behave in one way but expect other people to behave in a different way. In Matthew 23, 25, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. So we have this really strong call to obedience. But the Bible is also clear that if all you do is external obedience, it could actually be hypocritical. Where you're 
performing on the outside, but you're not genuine on the inside. You can look externally good, but perhaps doing it for all kinds of unhealthy motives. Um, Nietzsche, I never quote him because I never read him, but I like this. It, he talks about a herding morality. A herd? A herding morality. And that his indictment is that uh, what some people do is they obey what their church culture or social culture says to do, and it's just because everybody else is doing it. And so there's nothing really going on very deep inside, but it's what the herd, it's the expectations of the herd, and so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, we know this to be true, especially if you're younger. I still think it's true when you get older, but it's more evident when you're younger. It's just called peer pressure. I just do what everybody else does. Or I go to church, and I look at how everybody else behaves, and I really want to fit in, so that's what I do. It's a herding morality. So even though Scripture is so emphatic on obedience, there's, a, there's a, a, a caution to that. That if all that's going on in your life is doing externals, then maybe we're missing the point. And so to correct that, we go to the second issue, which is that we can value authenticity. This is a big word in culture today. Uh, I think that being authentic and being sincere are very closely wrapped together. And so when you look at the Bible, there's not a lot of comments about authenticity, but there's lots about sincerity, and those are what I'll, I'll read. Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Uh, it's one thing to do what you're told, but the Bible says, I want you to actually go beyond that and involve your heart in it. I would like your love to be sincere. In Hebrews 10, 22, it says, Draw near to God with a sincere heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you, this is speaking of, uh, of tithing and giving money uh, to the church, each of you give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There's nothing noble about manipulation or about being manipulated. Nothing noble about simply feeling pressured by the group around you to do something. No, the Bible says, move beyond that. Do something that comes from your heart. Now, <clears throat> authenticity in Western society has become the new morality. Authenticity is a big deal. And uh, if you talk to somebody, especially if they're younger, if you talk to somebody, uh, to not do something genuinely because I want to, not because anybody else pressured me, that is truth. I need to be true to myself. I need to do what I think is best. And as soon as I feel pressured externally, that's the enemy. That will make me not be genuine, and I have to be genuine in what I do. There was a... Uh, a definition that I liked of, of authenticity, and it's is this. It's being faithful to internal versus external ideals. So in our culture, and if you if you're new to Western culture, let me introduce you to it, that there is two sources 
of ideals or values or beliefs. One is external, outside of us, and the other is internal, what's inside of me. And in Western culture, there is a value over what's true inside of me more than what's true around me. And so if I'm going to be a genuine person, a sincere person, a person even with integrity, it's defined as doing what I believe inside of me is right to do. And if I just do what somebody else says to do, that lacks integrity and I'm a hypocrite. I need to be genuine to myself. Are you following this? This is a big deal in our society. And if you talk to people who don't know Jesus, this is a supreme value. And there's lots of truth in it. But here's the problem. Sincerity in and of itself is not an ideal because I can be sincerely wrong. I can really, really mean something and be totally wrong in it. I do it all the time. And so if the only guiding compass in my life is to be personally sincere, then I can just uh, get really, really mad at you and cuss you out. And you go, hey, that's wrong. And I go, no, no, no. I was sincere when I did that. I was not lying. I meant every single word of it. So you can't argue with that because I was sincere. It gets ridiculous, doesn't it? It's getting harder and harder to have laws in our society because every one of us is a loophole to that law. That's just, I was angry. I remember uh, sitting in a, in a courtroom once and uh, uh, I was there for another per, uh, for another person, but uh, there were other people presenting their cases. And uh, I remember this guy uh, went after somebody else with an axe. And, uh, and the lawyer was explaining to the judge how it wasn't that bad for two reasons. First of all, he missed. So he just caught his shoulder. And uh, he's been going through a really difficult time in his personal life. And so because he was going through a difficult time, he asked the judge to be understanding and to uh, dismiss the crime. Because internally, it was just difficult today. And so I should be justified in what I'm doing if inside isn't going well. It gets absurd. John, uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Just because I am following my heart doesn't mean it's good. Your heart can take you into all kinds of places that are not good for you or for anybody that you're in contact with. In the end, authenticity and sincerity, following our heart can often just be a cover for fear or pride or selfishness. Authenticity in and of itself is not a moral virtue. Any more, I would say, than obedience is. So, how do we value 
both internal authenticity, because there is something good about that. The Bible tells us to be sincere. How do we value internal authenticity as well as external obedience? Because the Bible also tells us to value that without avoid, well, avoiding the extremes of hypocrisy or a deceitful heart. How do we hold these things in tension? First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, is an amazing verse that I think gives us a key insight into what's going on. We don't have a... Cool. Uh, pull out your phone because you want to look at this. Or a Bible, actually. Some of you might actually have one of those. Um, pull out your Bible. But look up First Peter, or in your, the pew in front of you is probably the best. But First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now... Uh, now that you have purified yourselves by, by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one, or, love one another deeply from the heart. Now this is backwards. Let me read it again. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, then love one another deeply from the heart. So this verse, get this, this is shocking. It says, if you have problems being sincere, love other people by obeying the truth. And if you obey the truth, then you will become sincere. Now, everything I think in our society says for sure that's wrong. No, no, no. What you do is you start with sincere feelings. And that's your starting point. And then when you're sincere, then you can maybe do what the Bible says to do. But if you're not sincere, you don't have to obey. Because you don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Are you following me now? This is super radical. It's saying, obey first, and then your heart will follow. So if you struggle with being an authentic uh, follower of Christ, if you struggle with doing the right thing sincerely, then this verse says, just do it insincerely, and then that will get you to sincerity. That's what it's saying. This is just amazing. So, this verse is saying that obedience precedes sincerity. For to put them in an order, just think of what you feel inside, and then flip that, and that's what the Bible teaches, that it's 
Obedience precedes sincerity. And this is my, uh, this is my big statement for the evening. Sincere love grows out of insincere obedience. Sincere love grows out of insincere obedience. And I have insincere in quotes. Let me give a few examples of this. Uh, let's say that you have a difficulty telling other people about Jesus. It's just, it feels awkward. You don't uh, want to push things on other people because that's disrespectful. Um, you're worried about the relationship. You don't want to harm the relationship. And so the idea would be is that I need to purify my heart in why I want to tell others about Jesus. I need to make sure that they're also in a really good place inside. And then if, if, if all that's lining up, I'm going to tell them about Christ. According to this passage, you would obey first. Here's the remarkable thing that you'll discover. If you struggle with this, the remarkable thing that you'll find out is that if you start telling others about Jesus insincerely, barely mean it, only doing it because the Bible says, and as you do that, you start connecting with people, listening to their story, getting involved in their life, and sincerity comes. Authenticity comes. Connection happens. I'm presenting to you today that you will be a sincere uh, teller of Jesus after you start, not before. I, uh, I have friends who don't know the love of the Father. They're estranged children right now from God. And uh, I really like to be liked. I don't want to upset the relationship but I have to obey what God says. And so I initiate spiritual conversation with people. And as I do, my heart melts. And I feel connected to them and value them. And we have a meaningful relationship. What if your struggle with, we'll use the, the Christian word evangelism. What if your struggle with evangelism is not your sincerity, it's your disobedience. And what if you started with obedience and watch how sincerity becomes a reality? Big deal. Daily devotions. I'm not asking for a show of hands. How many of you, don't, don't, don't put up your hand. It won't, won't look good. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you struggle with reading your Bible every day and praying? Don't put up your hand. Um, so how are you going to have a genuine, life-giving connection with God? 
you read your Bible every day because you have to. Because God made you and commanded you and other stuff that isn't authentic or sincere or heartfelt. You do it because you're supposed to and you should. Did I say all the evil words? I think I said them all. I'm trying to say them all. You do it because you're commanded to. And so then you're reading the Bible and you go, I hope you're enjoying it because it doesn't make any sense to me. And I'll see you again tomorrow. And you come back again tomorrow, it's still not making any sense. And day five or six, something begins to become alive. And you go, that's interesting. I've never thought of that before. Are you, are you actually talking to me right now? Huh. It's just luck. Next day. And you work it out. And then you have a living, dynamic, authentic, sincere relationship with the living God. And I'm suggesting to you, actually it's more than that, because I think it's come out of 1 Peter 1, that you begin with obeying the truth. And as you do that, it changes your heart. And you become the authentic person you always dreamed of wanting to be. Where there's not a, sorry for big words, that's all I can think of, there's not a dissonance between your external life and your internal life. What if the reason why you don't feel authentic is not because your uh, 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 you're not in touch with yourself? What if it is because you're disobedient? Uh, yesterday, my 13-year-old son, Jamil, I had him uh, uh, vacuum. So we have this part of our, our house called the mudroom. It's where the pantry and the laundry is, and it's where all the mess in our house goes to. It's the last thing we ever clean. And uh, we finally got it all cleaned up. And I said, Jamil, would you please uh, vacuum the mudroom? And so you can just see him inside going, ooh, I don't want to. I really, really don't want to do this. And he gets up as slowly and painfully and begrudgingly as you can imagine. And he gets over and he gets the vacuum. And then he goes into the mud room and he's vacuuming. And he's just hoping it will be done soon. And then... An amazing, this is a, a miraculous moment for me. That's why I'm telling you. This is an amazing moment. Um, as he's doing this, I say to him, uh, Jamil, you can't just do the middle. <laughs> you actually have to take the, the thing out and go around the edges. And it's like, it just got impossible. You know, that look on a child, I can't believe that he would say that too. You know? And so he, uh, so he takes off the... the and he starts going around the side, and then the miracle happens. He starts to care. And it's become interesting for him. And by the time he finishes going around, he's lying on the ground and getting underneath things to make sure he's got everything. I've never seen this before. This was an amazing moment in the life of my son. Now, 
you see what just happened. He went from insincere obedience to heartfelt obedience. And I said to him afterwards, I go, was that like a little bit of fun? And he went, yeah. Like he was as surprised as I was that he actually enjoyed that moment. When you obey, you're creating space for your heart to be changed. And when you just sit back and meditate and try to feel right inside first, good luck with that. Because it's just not going to happen. I mean, you can wait. I mean, I've, I've waited a long time for sincerity to come my way. And I just got tired and I had to do something. And then when I did something, insincerely, God came into that moment, changed my heart, and everything became new, and I became the genuine, godly man that I desperately want to be. Are you following me on this? Isn't this amazing? Can you imagine? I have dramatically simplified your life right now. Because every one of you, if you're especially Canadian and young, you are on a hunt for authenticity. I just helped you. Be insincerely obedient. You can thank me later. So, it is easy to be either authentic or obedient. It's kind of easy. I'm just being genuine. Don't bug me. Or I'm just being obedient. I hate it, but I hope somebody's happy. It's messy when you bring together a quest for authenticity through obedience. Something supernatural happens in that moment. Listen to Hebrews 5.14. I love this verse sometimes. It says, by constant use, the mature have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. By constant use, you can distinguish good and evil in your own heart and be a man or woman of integrity and sincerity. How? By constant use. Isn't that incredible? That might be good news for you. By constant use. Uh, when, uh, so I want, in my heart, uh, David and I have been married, is it 32? Whew. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, so uh, we've been married for 32 years. And uh, uh, I desired, as authentically and sincerely as I know, I desired to love my wife from the day, well, before, but for sure from the day that we said I do. So I remember when we were first married. We're still in the honeymoon stage. And uh, I'm going to school. Debbie's working full-time, putting me through school. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, I, want to, I want to be a really good husband. So what I would do is before she came home, I would make sure that the house is spotless. I'm a little OCD. I really mean it. Like I, like this, it, it's a small apartment, but there is no dirt. Trust me. 
I looked everywhere. There's no dirt. And so she comes home, because I, I, so that would be my love language, right? You come home, it's just nailed it, just perfectly clean. So, I, so she comes home, and I go, you know, ta-da. <laughs> like, look at, look at what I did for you. And she starts crying. And I go, that's not exactly what I was imagining would happen in this moment. I look how great I am and what I did for you. And I go, something's wrong. What's, what's wrong? She goes, I feel bad. I go, why would you feel bad? Well, it means that I didn't do a good job cleaning the house. And it's like, ah, oh, nuts. That's not good. And so I say, you know, what would you like instead? And she says, what I'd really like is if uh, when I come home, we would sit on the couch and cuddle and talk about our day. I go, while it's still messy? She goes, yeah, while it's still messy. And then after we've, you know, cuddled, <laughs> then we'll clean the house together, and that'll be really fun. So... By constant use, the mature have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. By constant use, I can figure out how to love my wife better. I'm never going to figure that out except through constant use. Are you following me now? Does it make sense to you? Grunt. Does it make sense to you? Thank you. So... Uh, you will never figure out good and evil in your heart, right relationship with the people around you. You'll never figure any of that out, as sincere as you are, except through constant use. By doing it. By trying and failing and understanding, and then you move toward the kind of person you've dreamed of being through constant use. I was talking to uh, Tyler the other day, and I was, I was telling him there's this guy who doesn't know Jesus, and I'm reaching out to him, and uh, I was telling him about that, and then uh, uh, and I tell him, yeah, but you know, we we're going to get together today, but then he canceled again, and he says, uh, he goes, yeah, I know, he says, that happens all the time. Now, if you reach out to people, not in constant use, and people don't get together with you, and you, you go through all the energy of trying to set something up, that's super discouraging. And you go, wow, you know, is it, is it the deodorant, or, or, you know, am I awkward? Well, yes, but too awkward, and then do they not like me, or have I just offended them? But Tyler has been doing this for a while. And so by constant use, it's just no big deal. It's just what people do. They just don't show up all the time. I just phone them up again with a smile. By constant use, you see the world in a new way, and it becomes way more full of Jesus than you could ever imagine. But without constant use, you're constantly going to be trying to think about whether you're authentic and whether God's true and sincere. You'll never figure out any of that heart stuff 
except by doing obedience first. In conclusion, neither obedience or authenticity are anything unless we are trying to express love and trust. At the end of the day, the reason why we're obeying, the reason why we're trying to be genuine is because we're trying to be a people who love God, one another, and the world, Matt. That's how it goes. It's just... And... Uh, we're trying to be a people who love God, one other, and the world. And we're trying to be a people who do it out of an expression of trust in God. That's, what we're that's the people that we're trying to become. And you won't get there unless you long to be sincere, but you're willing to go through the valley of insincerity and try through constant use, and it will get you to where you long to go. I was thinking about, uh, and this is how we'll close, in 1 Corinthians 9.22, uh, worship team, you can come up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.22 is Paul describing how he reaches out to people that he doesn't know. And he says, to, to Jewish people, I become a Jew. To Greeks, I become a, a Greek, uh, Greek. He says, I become all things to all people. Now, if you are on the authenticity road... That's a wrong thing to aspire towards, to become all things to all people. Like, aren't you just one big compromise then? Shouldn't you be more true to yourself in whatever situation that you're in? You know how to be true to yourself and not change? There is such a thing as having a such a confidence in the integrity of God and being connected with him authentically that allows you to morph and change to serve and love the people around you. Say, hey, if this is what you enjoy, I'm going to enjoy that. If this is what you're thinking about, let's talk about that. It's all good. It's possible to be at such a place that you've trained yourself through obedience and sincerity, that you're able to actually be what other people need you to be without losing yourself. And maybe the reason why you lose yourself in relationships and compromise in an unhealthy way and, and be disingenuous, maybe the reason why you do all of that is because you haven't gone through the journey of obeying God, having him change your heart, and living out of that place. And it allows you to be fully at peace, yet able to accommodate to the world around you with great sincerity and integrity. Let's stand together. I hope that you hear me saying today, that the pursuit of authenticity, or as I would say the biblical word is sincerity, that pursuit is a noble pursuit. It's a noble pursuit. The way that you and I get there is through obedience, through externally doing something in faith, 
trusting that God would change our hearts in the process. Father, whether it's drawing close to you in reading our Bibles and praying, whether it's reaching out to people who don't know you, feeling intimidated, whether it's having difficulties getting along with the people who live in our house or with our church family. Father, it's a problem for us because we long to be sincere, to truly love. But I pray that you would set us free from the burden of introspection, that we could choose to obey you even before we feel like it or understand. Father, let that be true about us. Let us be a people who so trust you, we do what you say before we understand or feel like it. And I thank you that in that expression of faith, you fill those places with your presence and transform our hearts. Thank you that you've given us an honest and realistic way to have true heart transformation simply by doing what we see our Father doing. Thank you, Jesus. If you'd like to express this commitment to obey Christ, he commands us to participate in the Lord's Supper. And this can be an expression of saying, I'm going to do not what my feelings want, not what my mind thinks, but what my Father wants. And as you do that in faith, He will meet you in this place.